0: Say it loud and there's music playing. Say it soft and it's almost like praying. It's almost like praying. It's almost like praying.
1: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, October 9th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Timonini. And I am Broadway Star's James Marino. James is a Columbus, Ohio native, the largest city named after Christopher Columbus, even though, you know, we don't really look at him the same way as we did Uh, when I was in school. I do want to wish you a happy Columbus Day or maybe someday in the future, it'll be Native American Appreciation Day or whatever. But as a Columbus native, I want to wish you and everybody listening a happy Columbus Day. And if you get the day off work, don't rub it in because I'll be working all day.
2: Do you remember that uh, children's cereal commercial when we were growing up? I could see Columbus, Ohio and he's like, Oh, that's
1: Ohio, Columbus. No. Do I do not. But I do remember, you know, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in fourteen hundred ninety two mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So the Jason you know. Robert Brown version? No? <laughs> Songs for a New World. No, no, no. Different different thing. This okay. was, predates JRB. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, James, it was a busy week on Broadway radio. We debuted the first episode of a new podcast called Stagecraft with Jan Simpson. Uh, regular listen of, listeners of this week on Broadway will know Jan. She's been um, contributing to that show for a long time. She's also now one of the rotating hosts on um, a Theater Talk on your local TV stations in New York and then syndicated around the country as well. Um, she is great. She uh, spoke with, um, oh, uh, damn it. What's his name? Dry.
2: Yes. I wasn't going to tempt it because I can all, uh, Brian Holder. I wasn't going to, to do the dry, dry, dry Brian yes. Holder.
1: Dry Brown Holder, um, whose <laughs> show is playing at Roundabout right now, right? Too heavy for your pocket. Too heavy for your pocket. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so that's awesome. I'm very excited to have Jan officially hosting her own show.
2: Yeah, this has uh, been in the works for a few months, and uh, we have uh, uh, an assortment of guests throughout the fall that Jan's going to be talking with about, uh, you know, the name of it is Stagecraft, which is, uh, you know, the the adaption of a play to the stage, and uh, I'm really excited about it, because Jan gives a whole different... Oh point of view i mean she's really she's a scholar she teaches <laughs> journal, she teaches journalism and stuff <laughs>
1: yeah like she's uh I mean, we, we,
2: we play journalism well actually you got a journalism degree i play journalism, uh, kind of
1: yeah right. i've got right. a degree in journalism communications with an emphasis on like mass communications mm-hmm. so it's a little different like she's like really smart yeah, like it's is. uh it's a little intimidating <laughs> but you know it's, it's good idea. listening nonetheless <laughs>
2: So, yeah, so uh, take a listen to that in the feed over Broadway Radio, and uh, congrats to Jan. We're so excited she's
1: on board. Absolutely, and then you had uh, This Week on Broadway yesterday as well.
2: Yeah, this week on Broadway, uh, we reviewed a handful of shows. Uh, we talked about uh, the Apple Tree at Musicals Tonight, which got rave reviews from Michael and Peter. Good. So uh, get over and see that if you can. Let me see, when is that? Uh, that's playing through October 15th, so you only have a few days left. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about a number of other Other things, uh, including uh, anything can happen in the theater. The songs of More Yeston, which we previewed last week and Michael reviewed this week, and uh, so check it out.
1: Yeah, and before we get into the rest of the news for the day, uh, Elsie Fest happened last night. I know there are probably going to be tons of videos by the time you're hearing this. If there's not. I know uh, Broadway World's social media channels has all kinds of videos and pictures from the event. Um, uh, Alan Henry, who's our social media director, he's there, getting all kinds of videos and stuff. So if you want to check those out, uh, Darren Chris, Leah Michelle, uh, Jeremy Jordan, um, Norm Lewis, and so many Alan Cumming and so many other people um, performed there, and he's got videos of those. If you want to check that out.
2: Okay, first up in the news, 1984 wraps up its torture on Broadway.
1: Yeah, James, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying that 1984 was torturing Broadway, just because it. it, Okay, you did. I just meant that there's. Torture in, in 1984, and I guess that's a spoiler alert I need to give on a 68-year-old novel. But anyway, um, the play, which premiered in London, is based on George Orwell's iconic novel and was adapted by Robert Icky and Duncan Macmillan and starred Tony Winter Reed Burney, Tom Sturridge, Olivia Wilde, and more. James, the production received fairly mixed responses, including from you, who apparently thought it was torture, um, and, and including from audience members who sometimes – allegedly were overwhelmed by the graphic depictions of violence so much so that they needed medical attention Allegedly, in the uh, terms of the grosses, the show never really seemed to connect with Broadway ticket buyers, even though it began performances in mid-May and played throughout the busy tourist season in the summer. Once uh, only during or only once during its 20 weeks uh, on Broadway thus far. And we don't have the grosses yet for its final week, obviously, uh, but only once that it grows over four hundred thousand dollars. And in recent weeks, it's been hovering around the two seventy five to three hundred thousand dollar mark. Up next at the Hudson Theater is Bo Willimon's Parisian Woman, starring Uma Thurman, Tony Winter, Blair Brown, Josh Lucas, Philip Sue, and Martin Kasakis. James, as of now, that show is billed as open-ended, but if we're being honest, here's a straight play on Broadway without a A-plus level star. No offense to Uma Thurman, I don't want her uh, character from Kill Bill to come and stalk me for revenge for saying that, <laughs> but I just don't expect that to run forever. Um, Interestingly enough, tickets are currently on sale through March 11th, which seems like a fairly intelligently strategically placed end date to still be able to get another straight play into the Hudson in time for the Tony eligibility deadline at the end of April.
2: So I disagree with you. I think that Uma Thurman is going to sell a ton of tickets uh, and we'll have to see about that. I mean, at least the marketing effort is surrounding her. Yeah, I think her name is bigger than the uh, the title of the show. Uh, yeah, and they have a nice photo of her, and um, and there's a lot of discussion on social media about the confusion over is Josh Lucas Josh Charles or is Josh Charles Josh Lucas, and wow. the confusion between the two actors. You know, Josh is, Charles
1: I'm, is the is the um, the good wife, the good and, wife yeah. and Sports yeah. Night and, and exactly. Dead poet Society. I always get Josh Lucas confused with. Um, And I'm going to forget, the the guy who was Curly on on Broadway and he's doing the Brigadoon concert with uh, Kelly O'Hara next uh, month. uh,
2: Patrick Wilson?
1: Patrick Wilson, I always get those two confused. I think they did movies about the same time. Like yeah. I think uh, Josh Lucas did the the the, um, the Sweet Home Alabama, and Patrick Wilson had something at the same time. So I always get them confused. I'm not a smart man, James. that we've already established that in this show, so I apologize.
2: <laughs> you said uh, the uh, the Parisian Woman is next up, uh, and the tickets are on sale through March
1: 11th. When does when does it actually uh, preview and open? Do you know? The the first preview date is on November 7th, um, and oh, six, I believe, six,
2: yeah.
1: yeah, so they're they're, they're giving mm-hmm. themselves about a month um, load-in, load-out time, which is why I said with the March 11th final ticket on sale date, if they were going to get a show in, and and again, this is the Hudson's, chances are that it's going to be a straight play, even though they did reopen with the musical, that was an odd situation. Um, if they did kind of load in and load out in three weeks to a month, they could still get something through a fairly normal preview period in time to open officially before the end of the Tony eligibility deadline.
2: All right. Next up, Jason Daniley uh, joins the Broadway bound Pretty Woman.
1: Yeah, James. Last week, producers announced that Broadway regular Jason Danielly had joined the cast of the upcoming Chicago and subsequent Broadway productions of Pretty Woman the Musical. Jason will play the role of Philip Stuckey, the role created on screen by Jason Alexander. More on that in a second, I've got a bone to pick. Pretty Woman will begin performances on Tuesday, March 13th of 2018 for a strictly limited five-week engagement at Chicago's Oriental Theater before heading to a Nederlander Theater on Broadway next fall. Now, James... As someone who suffers from similar follicle issues as the illustrious Tony winner Jason Alexander, currently starring off Broadway in *The Portuguese Kid*, I find it very disconcerting that the role of the short, balding, rounder Stucky is being played by the tall, handsome, well well coiffed Daniel Lee on Broadway. I, I feel like that's a a, uh, a direct slap in the face of my kind of people. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, on This Week on Broadway, uh, Peter uh, um, reviewed a play at the Marjorie Dean Theater called Ace, where uh, Mm -hmm. they pulled somebody up from the audience and gave them a uh, shave their head. So maybe uh, Jason has gone gone to see Ace and he's now
1: ready for his next endeavor. That uh, that would be that would be sacrilege with that head of hair <laughs>
2: all right, next up, uh Lynn Manuel Miranda's almost like praying
1: uh, is released, yeah, James. it was released on Friday as we knew. Um, and we finally kind of figured out what the whole song was about. We didn't really whole, uh, We didn't really know a whole lot of details. We knew about all of these great people like Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony, uh, Gloria Estefan, Ana um Rita Moreno, John Leguizamo, Gina Rodriguez, on and on and on that were going to be a part of it. But we didn't really know much about the song other than the title was obviously an allusion to West Side Story. Now that it's out, we know that the song has the chorus, which is the reference to West Side Story, and then the verses are naming all of the cities in Puerto Rico. It's really, really powerful when you sit back and think about it. There's also a music video that was out. There was a Telemundo documentary about the making of it that aired on Saturday night, and I'm sure that you can either find it online or in repeats on Telemundo. And James, I checked right before we recorded – Almost Like Praying is currently number one on the iTunes singles chart, which I think is just fantastic when you consider that 129 or 199, however much it is, is going to the Hispanic uh, Federation to uh, really provide vital – assistance to the people in puerto rico who 88 percent of whom are still without drinkable water um, and need so much help and I, I think this is fantastic i purchased it if you haven't gone out and bought this single it literally is probably the least you can do but you also have the benefit of hearing all of these great stars um sing and rap in many cases um a len manuel miranda song
2: That is uh, really exciting. I guess we'll have a link to the iTunes link or however the people can purchase it in the show notes. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Next up, Hello Dolly bumps up prices for front row seats. I have seen lots of people complaining about this.
1: Well, you knew it was coming. I mean, you kind of had to. I mean, I I didn't think about it, but if you would have said – hey, what are the producers of Hello Dolly, Scott Rudin et al., going to do with ticket prices and uh, in, in Bette Midler's final few months? I just said they're going to raise them up to about $1,000, and that is what they did. As first reported by the New York Times' As Michael Paulson, the producers of Hello Dolly have upped the price on front row seats for many of the performances between late November through mid-January when Tony Winter Bette Midler leaves the company. The current ticket price for many of those shows is now $998 plus fees, which brings them to 1,009 buckaroos. As we've discussed before, Hamilton is the only other show to have done that before on Broadway, charging that same price for holiday shows last season. In a related story, Paulson also notes that the average ticket price on Broadway has risen from $109 in 2016 to uh, $116 thus far in 2017, and I'm sure that average will go up fairly significantly with the holidays uh, flexible pricing approaching james i will say though that for front row seats being charged 998 i don't know how many other seats are still available for these performances but i would have thought that it would have been more than just the front row so you know in that respect if there were any other seats available um maybe it's a good thing that they aren't charging a thousand bucks for those as well um but i guess it could have been worse they could have done all of the premium tickets that high
2: yeah and i wonder if this is an arms race <laughs> maybe will, will uh hamilton respond in kind or just let it go
1: well i i don't know if i don't know if hamilton will do that but what it could be also james is to line the coffers of Hello, Dolly! through those winter months, when even though you're going to have Victor Garber and Bernadette Peters coming in, they're no Bet Midler. And uh, as much as I love those two, and a lot of theater people love those two, they're not going to be able to pull in the same money that Bet is. So it's get the most money out of them as you can. And it's been reported that both Bernadette and Victor are not going to be doing the show for a considerable amount of time. So maybe you try to get as much money from Bet there. If it dips a little bit during the winter, maybe into the spring, then you maybe do bring in another big-time star after they leave, maybe either for the summer or the fall. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Scott Rudin plays this because I honestly don't see this closing, you know, during Bernadette and Victor's run or maybe even at the end of that. I expect this to be running for some time. So uh, off
2: of our... Uh, script here. Do you have any thoughts on the firing of Harvey Weinstein from his own company?
1: Well, I mean, when your brother has to fire you or uh, you, you, you're you the name of the company and you get fired, I think that is uh, a, a pretty strong condemnation and uh, one that is probably years, if not decades, uh, overdue. Overdue.
2: Now, Harvey, according to IBDB, has... Uh, too many to count credits, <laughs> Yes, uh, with some of the more recent credits being uh, Glengarry Glen Ross, Big Fish, All the Way, Elephant Man, The Audience, Wolf Hall, uh, Finding Neverland, um, with what has been reported through the New York Times about Harvey Weinstein uh, I wonder if there is a Broadway angle to this that anybody on Broadway has suffered sexual harassment mm-hmm. uh, from Harvey Weinstein. And I uh, I wonder if uh, any of those stories are going to start to come forward.
1: James, so, you would probably – sorry. I mean you would no. probably know better than I would. Um, I know he was obviously intimately involved with Finding Neverland. But I don't know how much um, he was actually involved with the productions of those shows. Was he just that – you know the Weinstein company invested or was he a hands-on Scott Rudin type of producer as in he was the one calling the shots or was he just kind of a money guy the rights guy for those perform for, for those different Broadway productions do you know
2: uh I think it was hit and miss depending upon the production there okay. are different productions that I've heard that he's been around and then other productions where you know his name is on the playbill mm-hmm. so uh we'll have to see what happens maybe uh I hate to think that uh this same sort of behavior has taken place uh with with uh, Broadway casts as well as that, but being that he was mostly based in New York and f- were, you know flew out to California and lived out of hotels in California when hmm. uh I didn't know that. he was producing, so we'll have to uh keep our ear to the ground about this one and see if anything else comes up. Alright, so uh, Natalie's going to join us again And give us uh, this week's theatrical schedule
0: Hi, I'm Natalie Nowak Host of Broadway Radio's On My Way to a BFA And I'm here to discuss This week's theatrical calendar First up, on Tuesday The West End revival of Young Frankenstein Opens Legendary filmmaker and comedian Mel Brooks Brings his classic monster musical comedy Young Frankenstein to life on stage With Tony Award winning Broadway director And choreographer Susan Stroman the cast includes Hadley Fraser as Frederick Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Leslie Joseph as Frau Blücher, Ross Noble as Igor, now it's pronounced Igor, Diane Pilkington as Elizabeth, Summer Stralin as Inga, and Schuler Hensley as The Monster. This production is scheduled to close in February of 2018. Roundabout Theatre Company's Time and the Conways also opens on Tuesday. This time jumping play by J.B. Priestley takes place in 1919 Britain. Mrs. Conway, portrayed by Downton Abbey's Elizabeth McGovern, is full of optimism during her daughter's lavish 21st birthday celebration. The Great War is over and wealth is in the air. Jump 19 years into the future, though, and the Conways' lives have transformed unimaginably. time in the Conways takes place at the crossroads of today and tomorrow, challenging our notions of choice, chance, and destiny. Next up for Tuesday, the Public Theater and Elevator Repair Service's premiere of Measure for Measure opens. Elevator Repair Service, the OB-winning company behind GATS, returns to the public to celebrate their 25th season with a dynamic new production of Shakespeare's Measure for Measure. With athletic theatricality and Marx Brothers-inspired slapstick, the ERS ensemble brings exciting new life to this story of impossible moral choices in 17th century Vienna. ERS founder and artistic director John Collins directs. This production is scheduled to close on November 12th. Tuesday also marks the opening night of Ace, which will run off-Broadway at the Marjorie S. Dean Theatre. Travel back to December 18, 1987, the nine-year anniversary of Ted's long-overdue college paper on Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen. Ted drives a New York City cab with one screaming deadline in front of him. He must turn in the paper by midnight, or his long-cherished degree-pending status at Harvard will be snatched away, forever. Emmy Award-winning Letterman writer Ted Greenberg is the playwright and star of this production. Ace is set to close on November 1st. The world premiere of Fireflies opens at the Long Wharf Theatre in New Haven, Connecticut on Wednesday. Eleanor Bannister, a retired school teacher, encounters Abel Brown. He's a mysterious drifter wandering around town looking for houses to fix and, rumor has it, single women to talk to. This beautiful new romance by Matthew Barber, Tony Award-nominated author of Enchanted April, shows that connection can be found in the unlikeliest of places and in the unlikeliest of ways. Eleanor and April are portrayed by Jane Alexander and Dennis Arndt, respectively, and are joined by Judith Ivey and Christopher Michael McFarland. Fireflies is scheduled to close on November 5th. Springsteen on Broadway opens on Thursday, in which rock legend Bruce Springsteen will perform a pared-down version of the show he normally presents at huge stadiums and arenas across the country. Next up, Cherry Lane Theaters' The Bench, A Homeless Love Story begins previews on Sunday and is scheduled to officially open on October 29th. Based on True Stories, The Bench, set in urban decay and rubble, explores the emotional heartbreak of five homeless characters and the catastrophic hysteria surrounding AIDS in the 1980s. It's a unique and fresh solo theater piece wherein one actor plays five characters. This production stars Robert Galinsky and marks the New York directorial debut of J.O. Sanders. Now let's move on to the closings for this week. First, we have American Repertory Theatre's Warhol-Capote, which closes on October 13th. In the late 1970s, Truman Capote and Andy Warhol decided that they were destined to create a Broadway play together. Over the course of the next several months, they would sit down to record a series of intimate, wide-ranging conversations. Award-winning director Rob Roth adapted Warhol-Capote from never-before-heard conversations between these two icons of American art and literature. This premiere production is staged by Tony Award-winning director Michael Mayer. The West End revival of Evita at the Phoenix Theatre closes on October 14th. Former West End alphabet Emma Hatton leads the cast as Ava Peron. Signature Theatre's The Red Letter Plays, In the Blood, closes on October 15th. This play was produced in tandem with Susan Laurie Parks' Effing A, directed by Joe Bonney, as part of the event they are calling The Red Letter Plays. The purpose of this was to create a unique opportunity to see two plays by one writer in dialogue with each other. Another October 15th closing is the off-Broadway production of Charm. Mama Darlena Andrews, portrayed by Sandra Caldwell, is a 67-year-old black transgender woman who takes it upon herself to teach an etiquette class at Chicago's LGBTQ Community Center. The idealistic teachings of Emily Post clash with the very real-life challenges of identity, poverty, and prejudice faced by her students. And that's the end of this week's theatrical calendar. As I said in the beginning of this segment, I'm the host of another podcast on Broadway Radio called On My Way to a BFA, which chronicles my experiences as a musical theater major at the Hart School. On last month's episode, I talked with Wicked and Finding Neverland's Christine Dwyer, and on this month's episode, which will be released soon, I interviewed Karen Mason, who you may know from the Broadway productions of Hairspray, Mamma Mia, and Sunset Boulevard. I'd love for you to follow my journey, so feel free to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalie underscore Noack to listen to my podcast go to broadwayradio.com and search on my way to a bfa
1: all right matt why don't you get us out of here all right thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter at bww matt and subscribe to something like a pop on itunes stitcher or google play
2: and my name is james marino from broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com Thanks for uh, starting off your week with us. Matt and I will be back to you tomorrow to catch you up on the grosses and anything else that might have happened.